Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Thank you, Cecil. Um, my friends, this, this is the God that we serve. This is the God that we worship and bow down before. The God that Psalms speaks of, the God who hears our cries and the God who has mercy upon us. Um, I'm entering into this week, I want to say heavy, but overwhelmed and um, preoccupied feels a little bit more appropriate. Um, I was very reluctant and hesitant to even prepare for this week. I just came up with excuses after excuses as to why I should, you know, oh, I'll get to it later, or oh, I'll prepare for it later. Um, but I think in the middle of that, I think God was preparing me for today's message. Um, because even now, um, Still, as I'm teaching, I, I feel disqualified from giving this message today to you. Um, and that is solely my own doing and solely my own state. But objectively, as I sort of remove myself from that and look at my state of being currently, I, I can objectively say that I think that it is the perfect state for me to be in to give this message to you today because I want you to know that I am speaking to myself as much as I am speaking with you. Um, so I'm, I will be teaching from Ephesians 2 verses uh, 1 through 10 today. But I'm intentionally going to break it into two sections because I really want to provide you with, with imagery that really drives home, I think, the true nature of who God is and the true nature of who we are apart from God. So let's start off. We're going to start with Ephesians 2. We're going to do verses 1 through 3. Um, I apologize, the words on my screen are really small, so I'm going to read from my Bible here that I have in front of me. So, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in, the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I don't know about you, but 
I think that paints a very bleak and grim paint picture or painting of who we are. This is the reality of the sin that we as humans and man have chosen to live in, that we are broken, that we are, right? We, what it says here, that we are uh, the ones whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We are by nature, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. I think that in this state, this state of being and this imagery paints a, a picture of hopelessness. And I, I want to read, I, I'm reading from my, my Bible, my study Bible, and I want to read a little section here that talks about the imagery of this and what it means for us. It says that the, the words God helps those who help themselves is not from the Bible, but from the ancient Greeks. As Paul emphasizes in this section, the truth is the exact opposite, that God helps the helpless. Even more, he helps his enemies who have transgressed his holy law. It goes on to say here that as human beings, as sons and daughters of Adam, Right? We have entered this world spiritually dead. We have no inclination or responsiveness towards God and no ability to please God. I think that this imagery, if, if left to ourselves, our state, our being, is one of helplessness and hopelessness. And... I, I have titled today's message, But God, because I think that in this state of who we are, that if we just sit in this alone, our approach to the way that we enter into relationship with God is one that is, I think, solidified with the words, but God, right? We often enter into relationship with God saying, but God, I have a past. God, but God, I have done this. You don't understand. But God, I have a history of brokenness. I have a history of doubt. I have a history of whatever it is that we claim about ourselves to disqualify ourselves from God. That is the way that we are by nature, that scripture tells us, by nature. This is our state. This is our state of being. This is the helplessness of the sinful nature that we have chosen to walk in in this world. But God, but God frames the way that we enter into relationship. But God, you don't understand. You don't get it. You don't know. And this is the imagery that we're being given. And this is sort of the painting that Paul is giving us as he writes to the Ephesians in the verses one through three. That 
Our natural state is one that has separated ourselves from God and his goodness. However, he continues on. In verses 4 through 10, I want you to picture and see the very first two words that he says when he continues to write. Chloe, if you could pull that up, please. First two words. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But God, but God, but God being rich in mercy, by grace we have been saved. But God, our natural state, the sinful desires of our heart, the, the brokenness of our world, the the, the ways in which we continue to exclude and disqualify ourselves from God in the way that we approach our relationship, we always say, but God, I am this. And God takes those words and flips them on their head and says, but God, but God is but God gives grace. And it says here, by grace, we have been saved, right? By grace. And I've been trying to contemplate how to really dive into what grace is. How do we explain or fathom or begin to even comprehend what grace is? Um, and I, I found, uh, I found, obviously we all are aware of the Bible project. And I think that Tim Mackey of the Bible project has such a gift from God where he is able to put into words and provide visualizations for us as believers, uh, ways to understand scripture that we, we, we are not fully aware of. And so rather than try to fumble over my own words, I want to share the video with you because this, this is what saves us. This is the but God moment. 
this is the time and this is the way that God flips the script from us going from, but God, I can't, to, but God is through grace. So let's explore what grace means as we watch this video. If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at the second key word in this statement, gracious. The Hebrew word is chanun, which is related to the Hebrew noun chen. This word chen is often translated as grace or favor. And if you study how this word is used throughout the Bible, you find a fascinating story. One meaning of chen is delightful or favorable. In the Psalms, a skilled poet is said to have lips of chen. That is, he can craft beautiful words that bring delight. Or a dazzling piece of jewelry is an ornament of chen. It attracts attention and favor. This is why chen is often the word used to describe a gift given with delight or favor. In these cases, chen could be translated as grace. Like in the story of Esther, who approaches the king of Persia to ask that she and her people be spared from death. She calls this a request for chen. And because the king delights in Esther, he favors her and grants her wish. So, giving a gift of favor is chen because it's motivated by delight. And the most extreme kind of chen is showing favor to someone who should get what they deserve, not a generous gift. Like Jacob, who cheated his brother Esau, ran away, and then after 20 years wants to come back and make things right. So he comes to Esau asking, may I find chen in your eyes? Jacob isn't asking for what is fair, but for favor. And surprisingly, that's what Esau gives him. He chooses to delight in his brother Jacob and show him grace that he doesn't deserve. Now, chen requires a generous spirit, which people sometimes have. But in the Bible, the one who shows more chen than anyone else is God. Like when God rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they quickly betray him by giving their allegiance to a golden idol as their God. But then, Moses steps in and asks God to consider giving a gift that they don't deserve. And God says, yes, by showing the ultimate act of chen, forgiveness and a promise to be with these people. This character trait of God is so reliable that over 40 times in the book of Psalms, people cry out for God's chen when they're sick or in danger or when the Israelites are in exile. And the biblical prophets like Isaiah looked back to God's chen in the past and boldly declared that God will one day show chen to his people by delivering them and all creation from death and ruin. Now, when we turn to the authors of the New Testament, they describe God's chen with the Greek word charis, which means gracious gift. Like when we're introduced to Jesus in the Gospel of John, we're told that Jesus is God's glorious charis become human, sent into a world of people trapped in darkness and death. Because according to the Apostle Paul, we're like the living dead. God has handed humanity over to the destructive consequences of our selfish decisions. But, Paul says, God is rich in mercy, and by his charis, he's rescued us. He's talking about how Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are offered to us as a generous gift of life that is more powerful than death. 
And as with any gift, all one has to do is receive it. So, now you can see why the biblical authors talk so much about this description of God's character throughout the Bible. When people are willing to own their failures and ask God for chen, he has a consistent and generous response. God gives the gift of himself, his life and his love. And this is what it means that God is gracious. How awesome is that? Like, I, I am overwhelmed when I think about the fact that God gives us grace in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of the, the sinful nature and the sinful life that we as humans have chosen to live in. We are Jacob coming before Esau knowing full well that we do not deserve to be forgiven. We do not deserve the chen of Esau, right? We are the ones who are broken, the ones who are sinful. We are the ones who continually say, but God, I, you don't understand. And we come before him and he says, but God. I am God, and I have given you this gift, even though you do not deserve it, even though you are the helpless, even though you feel hopeless, I am the one but God who helps and who provides hope, who calls you into something deeper. Through grace, you have been saved the gracious gift of God. Chanun, chen, karis, grace. That is what flips our state of being from a but God to but God. And I don't know about you, but that is remarkably overwhelming for me to sit and ponder and consider because it makes no logical sense to really say, but God, and yet it is truth. And it is so good. The, as I was preparing for this, the, the imagery that kept coming to my brain. And truthfully, this, Vanessa and I did not really, we did not coordinate at all whatsoever. She told me at one point what songs she was thinking about. And I was like, yeah, sounds great. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and then we gathered this morning and everything just sort of seemed to line up in terms of imagery between all of us when we were speaking this morning. And the words that she, Vanessa was singing in worship so perfectly aligned up with this image that I've been having all week as I've been reading through the scripture that I feel like illustrates the way that God is calling us into trust and into uh, hopefulness in him as we abide in the but God nature. And this image I have is now if I, I have never, 
I'm not a parent yet. Uh, I don't have a teenager. I've been a teenager and I've worked with teenagers enough to know that uh, sometimes teenagers think that they're a little too cool and a little too cool to do things. And so this imagery that I have is one of like, a, uh, it's envision like a, an ocean or um, you're in a boat and uh, you're out on a group or something and they're scuba diving, right? And, um, you know, the, the child, the teen is like totally content with saying like, no, I'm cool. I'm going to stay here at the edge of the dock. And, you know, I'm going to come up with all sorts of reasons why I shouldn't go and scuba dive uh, and go jump into this water. Right. I'm okay with just enjoying the little shallow waves that crash onto the sand. I'm okay with staying here on the dock, you know, but I'm good. I'm okay. Right. And then you have like the parent or the dive instructor or somebody else who's out in the water, who's got the full scuba gear on and they're calling out to this, to this child, this teen who's like saying, but it's so good. It is so great. It is so wonderful. You just got to get underneath the, the waves. You got to dive down and see what is in store because this is awesome. And that is kind of the imagery that I keep having in my mind of this, you know, relationship is that God is calling us deeper, right? God is the dive instructor. He's like, he's the one saying, but, but uh, this is goodness. I am God. Come and see. And we are the ones on the dock. We are the ones saying, but God, no, it's okay. I like, you don't understand. I've never done it before. This is kind of scary. And I don't think. And it's that moment when we choose to enter in and finally say, and put on everything that we need in order to scuba dive. We jump in the water and we dive in deep. And you know, for the first time, it's really hard. You're getting used to the breathing apparatus. You feel the pressure and everything difficult. It's hard to move. You feel very awkward. But the more and more you do it, the more and more you get comfortable with it. And the more and more you can dive down deeper and begin to explore the true depths of what that ocean has to offer. And you see the vibrant colors and aquamarine blue and the coral reef and, the, and all of the experience around you, all the while holding the hand of the instructor or your parent, whoever it is that you're diving with, right? This, this whole story kept flashing through my brain that this is who we are in Christ. This is who we are in God. We're the ones who disqualify ourselves. We're the ones who continue to say, but God, but God, no, 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 no. And God is saying, but, oh, but, but God, but God. And I think that this is the simple and complicated, true reality of what it means to be a Christ follower, that it is as simple as saying, okay, I trust you, I'm jumping in. And it is as complicated as uh, learning and fumbling through, but trusting that God is there. And so... I think understanding that through grace, this gift that we have, we do nothing to earn it. We've done nothing to earn it, that God has given it to us freely. That is what frees us up to, to go from, but God, to, but 
God. So I want to invite you to experience what it looks like in your own life, to find the things that set you free and allow you to fully experience the gracious gift of God's love and God's mercy, because it is by grace that we have been saved from that brokenness that we have chosen and set free into a life of fullness and hopefulness. Uh, that is when we experience God. So I want to pray for us and then, um, we're going to move into a period of communion uh, led by our very own Barb. So let's pray. Father, we come before you broken. We come before you feeling helpless. We've come before you sometimes feeling hopeless. We come before you humbled with a sense of not understanding who you are, and yet you are God. Lord, help us move from the but God to but God mentality where we experience the hopefulness and the fullness of your goodness and your grace and your mercy, that we would be set free from our brokenness, that we would be set free from uh the sinfulness of this world and be invited into the depths of your love and your goodness. And that you would continue to call us deeper, that you would continue to call us higher, that you would continue to call us into the fullness of who you are and let that permeate through every aspect of our life. So father, we thank you. We honor you. We glorify you, and we are so overwhelmed by the goodness of your gift that we can't possibly fathom it. So, Lord, we pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.